And I make a crack about fine young cannibals, and you get us on a really deep rant about portrait photography. That's the way. It, that's the way it works. <sighs> that's the, that's the way we roll. Yeah. On uh, on the thing here. Hey, uh, we're in single digits now, Bill, before we get to episode 100. It's in single digits temperature here in New York City. Yeah, but that's not nearly as important. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred episodes almost. You know, 91, that's like getting into the range where you and I could actually have discussion about each year. You know, like 1991, that was uh, when I was, uh, let's see, a sophomore in high school. Right. You know, uh, so it's kind of exciting. We're getting I up was, there. Uh, I was a sophomore in college. No. Were, yeah. No, no. I was out by then. <laughs> I don't even remember now. Out of the workforce? It's a blur. <laughs> uh, it's it's Tuesday. It's a, it's a snowy Tuesday where you are. But, uh, you know, it's supposed to be uh, 82 here in California today. It's, it's always warm in 82 inside of the on taking pictures world. It is. It is. Uh, and and it, is, it is on Taking Pictures. We're here each and every week uh, talking about photography. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. And with me, uh, we, we've got we've to catch him while we can because he's going to be snowed under soon. Mr. Bill Wadman. I can hardly <laughs> breathe. Um, how you doing, Jeffrey? <laughs> you got to dig yourself out of your fourth floor walk up. I remember I used to date this girl named Tracy and Tracy grew up in Vermont and they used to have to dig a hole from their front door to the street sometimes because the snow would go up above the door a couple times. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. And, and then she would, she would cross country ski to school. No. <laughs> no. That, nope. Nope. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, hey, you know, my, my microwave is dying. Okay. And uh, I, I didn't know this, but the thing, the thing that, that I guess the main component of a microwave is called a magnetron. Yeah, same thing that's in radar. Isn't that a great name? Yep. A magnetron. Sounds like something out of a comic book. So uh, anyway, uh, I, don't, I don't even think I'm going to replace it. I don't think I want a microwave anymore. Uh, manufactured in August of 1994. Wow. You, you got a pre- 20 years. Yeah. It's a, it's a big Samsung microwave. I have a really crappy little microwave, but all we use it for is like, you know, melting butter for popcorn. and See, and that's the thing. So what are we doing? Yeah, it's handy though. I, I think, I think I'm, not, I'm not going to have one now. Well, one, one more question before we get on to the photography. Are yes. you a toaster oven or a sliced toaster fan? I, I have to use a toaster oven because I like my toast only on, toasted on one side. Okay. Right. And and that the other thing, my toaster oven's starting to go, so I think I'm going to get one of these fancy Breville toaster ovens. Yeah, must must be nice. Yeah, it is. Must be nice. <laughs> it is faded and blurred, huh? Doing it's, well. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not it's not it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, where, where do you want to start? I, I want to start with uh, with the fine folks in in the uh, the on taking pictures Google Plus group who again. Have put up some amazing work. You Knock, guys are just it out of a park. You're killing it. You're just absolutely killing it. There are so many great photos um, for uh, last week's assignment of underexpose. Yep, uh, and lots of great interpretations. Yep, um, agreed. Yeah, it's, I also uh, I also like the fact that our membership is is ballooning. 
a little bit. Yeah, 865. Yeah, we got like uh, 50 people in the last week. Tell your friends. We'd really like to get to 1,000 uh, by the end of the day. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it might happen. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Tell tell your photographer friends. Spread the word. Um, yeah, just some really really good work. Um, let's see. Who who's who's should we should we call some out? God, there's so many. Uh, Terry Schmidbar recently just put put something up. Really good. Uh, Alexander, great stuff. Um, I think we, I think we should let people to go take a look. Yeah, just go look. And it's what's great: color, black and white, film, digital. It's it's all there. So so if 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 underexposed was last week and everyone did a good idea, a good job. What is next week's assignment? Uh, the 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 new assignment. Yeah. Negative space. Negative space. Now this negative is negative space. This is kind of interesting because I was thinking about what the new assignment should be last night while lying in bed going to sleep and I was thinking negative space and I got here this morning and I look at the show notes and it says new assignment negative space and I was like did I get up and write that down like in See? my sleep we are zenned in on each other's brain waves unbelievable unbelievable yeah. Yeah. so anyway uh I think negative space is a good one I'm looking forward to that one let's do that one uh I think it'll be good yeah so I negative do it space. today uh well all you have to do is is just you know, aim out the window for all the snow with the, like That's a light exactly pole. Exactly what out. I'm thinking. Yeah. So you don't even have to get out of bed. <laughs> you just, I'm sorry. You think I'm out of bed now? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Hey, uh, look, you finally got to the movies, right? Yes. I got, not only did I get to the movies, but I watched it again last night. Yep. Um, we saw this Walter Mitty movie. What is the, what is the official name? The, the, the Secret Life of Walter Secret Mitty. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Now, give us give us the thirty second overview of the plot, just so we know what we're talking about. Uh, Walter is a dreamer, uh, and 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 uh, you know disappears, uh, and has these these sort of flights of fancy. Uh, it's it's based. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Thurber, James Thurber. It's a short story, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it was, and it was it was it was first published in a magazine. I think it was the New Yorker. Is when it was first. I'll have to look it up. I looked it up before. And I, now I'm remember. Anyway, uh, Mitty is this sort of Walter Mitty is a sort of mild mannered fellow, and and he he zones out. He lives in this sort of fantasy world, and uh, I don't know about you, but I am not a Ben Stiller fan. Sorry, Ben Stiller fans out there, but I, just, I'm a fan of Ben Stiller in. Uh, non-straight comedic roles. Maybe that's it. Maybe like, that's I like keeping the faith when he I plays the rabbi. I like him in this. Yeah, I, I, I like him in this. this quite a bit. Yeah. There was only one scene in this that I thought was completely unnecessary and ridiculous. Uh, I know which scene you're thinking, I think. Yeah? Yeah. We'll talk about it later. All right. I don't want to ruin it for everybody. Anyway, but the point is that the guy works as a negative asset manager at Life Magazine. Right. 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 When when life was still a print magazine. Although, you know, people have iPhones and stuff in the movie. So it's like this weird fantasy world. Right. Right. Like like now life is still going on. That's mm -hmm. essentially what it's saying. And the the whole plot of the thing revolves around a missing negative that this photographer sends this roll of film in, but it's missing one of the negatives. And 
he has to go find the guy so he can get find out where the negative went or see if it's still with him and whatever it is. Um, and the photographer played by Sean Penn is so man. I it drives me crazy how cool Sean Penn is. Yeah, he's just cool. Yeah, makes me sick. Um, but but there's all kinds of stuff in here from the point of view of photography fans and art and the way that we see art in society and you know and all that kind of stuff. Um, you you love the movie, right? You you thought it was great. I did. Okay, I did a lot. Um, I like the way it was shot. First of all, yeah, it's very pretty. Uh, it, it's it's yeah. It, 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 I like the music. I like. I, just, I, I really liked everything about it except that one scene. Um, you know, Conrad said last night it was a it was a it was a movie with a positive outlook. Yes, you know, um, I would agree with that. And and, and, and what did you you said something about it's it's it, it, it overly romanticized. Yeah, making art. Yeah, I think it does. I think that it, I think that it, I think that that movie, it's a love letter to fans of photography or people who wish that they were professional photographers, but is in no way shows at all what it is like to actually be a professional photographer. See, I I didn't get that connection at all. Okay. I, I got it as, as it's a, it's a love letter to getting out of your head. Yeah. Okay. Because it was only when he got out of his head and into the real world that he started living. Right. But is is there is there an argument to be made though that because the whole thing is that Life magazine is is getting shut down and it's going digital that digital bad, print is good, film is good, digital is bad. Like, I didn't get that at all. You didn't get that at all? No. Okay. No, I because if because for me it just became so a vehicle. Okay. It was a vehicle to get him motivated. He had to find this photograph, and this photograph happened to be on film. But the photograph wasn't the point of the story for me. See, it was okay. a vehicle to get him moving, getting out the, in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It was to get him to to live or to start experiencing life. Yes. Yes. His life by the by the motto that he had been he'd been working under for the last 17 years. Yes. But I was trying to look at it from a little less of a straight movie review point of view and more from the point of view of 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 photography and and our discussion in general. Mm hmm. Um, I think that's true. Yeah. He gets out there and does those things. But I mean, I, yeah, you, I guess you could make those those cases. But I think you I think you're it becomes you trying to make those cases that film bad digital good. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, it, it felt a little, uh, I thought it was cute and I thought it was fun, but it felt a little heavy handed to me, but that's, you know, you have over reading it. It's cute though. Yeah, good. it was good. Um, all right. What do you want to talk about? Well, You've got this, this, I, I kind of like this, this, what makes art funny. Oh, Cisco's thing. Yes. Yeah. So our friend, uh, Francisco Graciano is a professional dancer. He's a, he's in the group and everything. And, and he wrote a blog post recently about asking the question of what makes art funny. 
you know, and, and he dances for Paul Taylor and, and they're working on a Taylor dance that was done a little while ago. And, you know, the idea of, of certain pantomimes or certain movements being funny and like what cracks people up and, and why is it that way? And, and how do you decide to make art that is funny or, or sad or whatever, or does that just naturally come from you feeling sad or, you know, silly or what have you. Right. Um, how do you go about doing it and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I, how do you feel about this kind of stuff? Intention in art. I think intention in art is fine. Humor, humor in art is, is tough to pull off. I mean, kind of to, to piggyback on the film discussion for, for whatever reason, comedies comedic performances aren't considered as valuable as dramatic performances true it's true if if you look at at who's winning oscars the 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 number of dramatic performances overshadows the number of comedic performances by by a, quite a large margin and you think that's unfair i don't know that it's necessarily unfair but it does seem strange that 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 a dramatic performance seems to be weighted heavier than a comedic performance. And and I mean, ask comedic actors or talk to comedians. Comedy's tough. Yeah, timing is tough. Yeah, you know, and and to pull that off, uh, I think they would argue is every bit as difficult, maybe even more so than I, a dramatic performance. You know, it, I think that it probably is more difficult. I think that. Uh, to me, it feels like com- comedic performance involves a lot more um, thought and timing and formula than dramatic in the sense that we all generally live dramatic lives in the sense that when you're when you're doing drama, you're trying to live act the way you would normally act where in 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 or some version of nor like sort of you, you want to create reality, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, Where mm-hmm. in comedy, you're trying to use timing and, and speech and all that, right. As, as an abstraction to, to make a joke on top of your just normal being there, you know, um, you could argue that, 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 that comedy is, is closer to, um, uh, sort of making something out of nothing than drama is, you know? Yeah, you're I mean, starting I, I from drama and you're adding something on top of it. Essentially, I don't even remember now that now that I'm trying to think about it, I don't even remember what the last like best actor or best actress was that was a comedic role. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that there have been lately. You think that's wrong? Um, hmm. I don't know that it's wrong. It just strikes me as odd. You know he. Uh, Cisco asked in this in this in this post, uh, how does he do that? How does he make me laugh over and over? And uh, is is comedy universal? You know, there's lots of things that other people find funny that I don't find funny. I don't think it is. I think I think laughter is, but I don't think comedy is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a huge Monty Python fan, and I, and John Cleese, and I love watching still the reruns of like Faulty Towers and things yeah. like that. But uh, several of my friends just don't respond to it at all they're like yeah you know the other day i I went out my friend sally turned 37 and i took her out to dinner 
And I said, you know, the only good thing about being 37 is that you can use the line from Holy Grail. They're like, I'm 37. I'm not old. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, of course you, she's Australian. I can't do an Australian accent, but she's like, yeah. of course you love Monty Python. Like I can't stand it. You know? Huh. I'm like, how could you not? Like, I mean, I am not a huge Monty Python fan. Like I'm not a big fan of like the, you know, the lumberjack song. I don't care about any of that stuff. I do, however, think that scenes from the Holy Grail are really funny, but it just, it just goes to show you, you know, that, 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 you know, there's certain things that people do like certain people, things people don't like, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think that wh- while I think that the, the guys in say Monty Python were of course trying to make a comedic movie. I don't think that they were, you know, what is the quote that I used on, on line the other day? The, the, I may have said it here too. the, what's his, what's his name? The comedian, uh, Chris rock, you know, they asked him, they asked him what, what's funny. And he says, talking about it isn't, Oh, right. Okay. You know, and in in the same way, I think that for a lot of these artistic things, trying to pull them apart doesn't get you any closer to them. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's like trying to, it's like trying to go inside of a cloud so you can get your hands on it. Well, you go inside the cloud and you're just reaching at nothing, you know, what is it only, it only has shape from the outside. What is funny art? Like, give me, give me an example of art that you would find funny. Other than, I mean, I mean, I find art amusing, like some of the Jeff Koons stuff I find amusing. Yeah, but there isn't, um, but unless a human is, is intricately, like is involved in sort of acting or pantomime or dance, there aren't that many things that I laugh at. I don't look at it. I don't think I've ever looked at a painting and laughed out loud, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it does, does humor require humans, you know? Have you ever looked at it? Have you ever? I don't know, looked- man. Have you ever seen dogs at cards? Yeah. That's a pretty funny painting. <laughs> of course. You've got a copy of that, don't you? <laughs> it's right next to my Black Velvet Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> but have you ever seen a photograph that was funny, quote unquote, that you laughed at? Yes. You have? Several by Elliot Erwitt. Okay. I think Elliot Erwitt's photographs are charming and, and sometimes hysterical. And uh, yeah. Charming, interesting. Okay, there there is a charm to his to his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there's a whimsy to his work. There's a there's a lightheartedness that I would imagine if I'm if I'm if I'm just looking at his work, I would imagine he would be a charming sort of entertaining person to have a conversation with. But stuff based that on the work that he produces. But stuff that you've actually laughed at. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the one uh, 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 sitting on the stoop, the person sitting on the stoop with the bulldog, where it looks like it's the bulldog's face on, yeah, on the person's yeah, yeah, body. Yeah, 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 it cracked up when I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good shot. I just, hmm. Sometimes I think that I am just. Or the people in the museum, like the naked people looking at the painting in the museum, the group of. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. I, sometimes I really think that I am just not like other people. Uh, well, you're a, you're a unique snowflake, Bill. I think that when you try to create something specific, you're generally not going to be successful. That you can push yourself in a general direction, but when you try to get too specific, I think you, 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 I don't think that it works. Uh, Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah. 
And I think yeah, that's I mean, at the heart of this from an artistic point of view. You know. Yes, I think. Well, we talked about it at, before the show. There's the the Christopher Christopher Doyle thing, where where Christopher Doyle, uh, for those who've never heard of him, is a is a, a cinematographer. Does a lot of Hong Kong cinema. Um, shot uh, 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 2046 and and in the mood for love for uh, Wong Kar Wai, which if you haven't seen those films, they're fantastic. Um, but his his thing was was you know. Be try being an artist. Work on being an artist. Don't don't. Art is what artists make. Yes, but at the same time, haven't we said before that step one in being an artist is making art? It's like it's 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 a chicken and egg scenario. I, I, no, how I can don't you call yourself an artist one. if you've never made anything? But I but, don't. First of all, I don't think. I still don't think what you that that you call what you make art. That's that's a that's a that's a name reserved okay. for what other people call it. Okay, what but, you make. but you can call yourself an artist. I think so. Well, what's the difference? What's the difference? You know what I mean? Like if if one is pretentious or or self- oh, I don't I, I don't think it's pretentious. Okay. Um. But not everything. Just because you know, not everything Chuck Close paints is art. Yeah, true. But at the same now, time, but, but, but his agent might tell you different. Right. But in the same, yes. But to, to that point, not everybody who has a camera is a photographer. Then you could make that argument. Go, uh, go no, the reverse I, way. I, I don't agree with that. I think everybody that has a camera is a photographer. I don't I think everybody that has a camera is a good photographer. Okay. All right. You know, or, or maybe, you know, so I everyone see everyone with point, a brush though. is a painter. Um, yeah, I see your point. I see your point. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's not true. Maybe, maybe everyone isn't a photographer. Maybe they all make photographs, but I don't mind calling myself an artist or what I make art. I don't think that I don't, uh, I see what you're saying is ultimately, as long as you're doing it, you know, making stuff, I don't care what you call it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like all the rest of it is just words. You know, and it, and if 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 the way that one guy puts making stuff uh, is oh well, you know, you need to be an artist, and then you will just the stuff that you make is art, and oh well, somebody else calls it art. All that stuff is just semantics. Ultimately, it just gets down to whether or not you're sitting on your butt listening to a podcast, <laughs> or you're out there making something as long as you're making something as long as you have that feeling that you have when you're making something i don't care what you call it i don't care who calls it you know what i mean who said who defines what and how you define it um to me it's it's all about doing something with intention you know yes and and so uh you know but part of that intention is to not hold on to the reins too tight you know, trying to have every time that I've ever tried to have too much control over a particular picture or a particular project and say, I want this picture to be X and be very definitive about it. I almost always fail, but I almost always succeed when I say this is the general direction I want to go in. Let's see where it goes. OK, but that's that's so ironic because you are such a control freak um, about your process. I'm a you control want, freak about my process in the sense that I want to do all the steps. Yes. I I don't I don't get, I don't get that you're a hold on to the reins loosely person. 
when you shoot? Um, I, I get that you go in the way I imagine you shooting is very precise, very uh, in, intentional on every step of the way. Yeah, it's not really. But that's to me. <laughs> it that's may the look way that it way, but across. it's but it, well, maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know, but it's definitely not the way it actually is. I don't. I don't have a plan of the exact lighting I'm going to use every time I walk into a shoot. I have no idea what I'm going to do most of the time. Most of the stuff that I like most is happy accidents, mm. or I get there and something tickles my eye, and I go, "Ooh, this would be really cool to do it from this angle," you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, to to round out the 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 humor thing, it's like it's like Cisco asked, you know, how how do you do this, and like. You know, yes, I'm sure Paul Taylor set out to make something funny because it was based on a funny story. But I don't think that he was consciously thinking, I need to make this funny. I need to make this funny. I need to make this funny. I think that the 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 built up uh, uh, artistic muscles that he's had for 60 years take over. And he just he is he knows he's making something funny, but I don't think he's thinking about each and every step of every single dance. I think he's just making something and it organically becomes funny because he's got chops and he knows the general direction he wants to go in. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, you know do you understand what I'm trying to say? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't think you can um, try with this stuff because I think when you try, that's when things just feel bland. It it yeah I mean it feels like I was I was watching uh, an interview with Kevin Smith. Yep. Uh, with uh, Kevin Smith was being interviewed by Gian Gomeshi, who is one of my favorite interviewers, if if not my current favorite. Uh, he does a show called Q uh, for the CBC up in Canada, and he was talking to Kevin about. Uh, sort of the state of the industry and, and why and Kevin kind of, kind of, if you've ever heard Kevin Smith speak, he's, he's very outspoken, but he's also very passionate about his craft. I find him better. I like listening to him talk much more than I like watching his movies. Uh, okay. okay. No, no, it's, it's just it's, I think thing. his movies are hit and miss. Yeah. But um, I, I always like listening to him talk. Yeah. And, and he's, he was talking about why to why we do these things, why as an artist, he does what he does. And he said, you know, you can make money a, a bunch of different ways. Uh, so that's, that's not a reason to do it. And if you're doing it for, for the kudos and the accolades, well, that's not a reason to do it either because you never know what's going to hit and what's going to miss. The thing that you may put your blood, sweat and tears into and think, you know, are, are, absolutely convinced is going to be huge and it's going to mean something to so many people is going to fall flat. Yes. And the thing that comes off sort of out of left field becomes your swan song. Yep. You never know what's right. going to, to catch on. You never know what's going to flop. You know, he has believed in several projects and he, and he cites Jersey girl. Not sure whether he was serious about that or, or making a joke about he it. He always but says that he really thinks that Jersey girl is good. He thought it was, yeah, he thinks it's a really good movie, but it just didn't connect. Right. Whereas something like, you know, Jay and Silent Bob or, or you know, any number of shows on, on Smodcast, which is his enormously popular podcast empire now, um, you know, those things catch on. And I thought it was, it was interesting that, that, you know, 20 years in, 
he's still not sure what's going to be a hit and what's yeah. not. Yep. You know, or the songwriter that is convinced that this is the best song they've ever written and it goes nowhere. Yep. Um, so it is difficult to, to, if not impossible, to predict what's going to be a success and what's not. I'm what's heartened be- by that, though. Sure. Because that because that that cuts both ways. It both both at the same time it makes you think, oh, this thing that I think should be a huge hit that isn't that doesn't necessarily mean that I am a failure. It could just be that this thing that I do tomorrow for fun ends up being the thing that makes me famous. Right. Um, right. It it it, it 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 it's such it's such a it's such a roll of the dice that gets thrown in there. This sense of it randomness. absolutely is. You know, I, I mean, in 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 my own life and and work there have you know posts that i take days and days to write go nowhere but then i i put up this little thing the other day uh a few thoughts on street photography and it's one of the most popular posts i've done in the last year yeah right you know and it and i it was it wasn't a throwaway by any means because i i i put effort into everything but it didn't take as long as other things that i thought were going to be no, oh, this one's really going to strike a chord and this people are really going to like this. And, you know, meh. <laughs> so it, it, it's, 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 it's an odd thing. And I think does that frustrate point, you when that happens? It does frustrate me because I, I more and more, I'm, I'm trying to be much more intentional with not only the, the language that I use, but the, the individual words that I use. You know, that's, that's becoming my craft is, is writing and, and I'm trying to be more personal. I'm trying to be more sort of, uh, um, intentional about what I write, but yeah, you never know. I mean, you do a photograph and yes, you, you put the same level of, of, of care and craft into it that you put into anything else. But for some reason, this is the photograph that people define you by. Yeah. And you don't look at it as any better or worse than anything else you've done. But for some reason, that's the one. You know, although I will say that (laughs) I feel better, at least with photography, you know, I mean, at most I will take a couple days on a photo, you know, a single image. Um, So if it, if it fails, quote unquote, or no one notices, it's like, okay, you're out two days. Could you imagine being one of these guys who sculpts for like two years on (laughs) sculpture? Yeah. And then it comes out or you make a or you make a movie. You're working on it for 3 years. You put your blood, sweat and tears. Not only the blood, sweat and tears, but you know, you got money on the line and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, other people's money. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's got to feel even more cuz you know, a guy like a guy like me, I could take a thousand photos at that level in my career mm-hmm. where Kevin Smith maybe will make 20 movies. Right. You know, his 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 failure rate means a lot more. You know, a single sure. failure is a bigger hit, you know? Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's just very strange. You know, my, my favorite, for example, my favorite picture that, uh, that Annie Leibovitz has ever taken that I've seen is uh, a live shot of the Stones in concert where Mick Jagger is, is like way up in midair. Sure. And it's, it's, there's probably very little post on it. Uh, it was, Film, not great lighting conditions, you know, if you look at it technically, there's a lot different about it than the way she shoots now. Oh, of course. Yeah. Completely different. But 
but there's there's an energy to it there's a there's a there's a compositional element to it that i think it's one of the best photographs she's ever taken yeah yeah you know and it's it's just very strange how how you you respond or 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 resonate to certain pieces of art whether they're funny whether they're not i mean i, I know a lot of people that love to get back to jeff coons love jeff coons work hmm. love the humor in it or or somebody like shag or mark ryden or you know or 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 hmm. i think you know what it is i think that television and movies have taken over funny in the average person's mind you know i don't think your average american knows who jeff coons is no, or and, Elliot you know, Erwitt, or any of these guys that we're talking about, and even even television would would we laugh at at the things that we laugh at without the laugh track? That's a good question. Or are are we being told, okay, this is funny? Are we being tricked in? Laugh this? here. Yep. Laugh here. Yeah. You know, like whenever I watch, uh, I always feel that way when I watch the Big Bang Theory. I'm like, oh, some of this stuff really isn't that funny, but because of this crazy laugh track they've got underneath it you know suddenly it becomes a bigger you know what i mean right um, right yeah i don't know and then and then i just get upset at that show there's something about that show that drives me crazy <laughs> okay i think it's funny but i don't I, I i think it's not laughing with nerdy people i think it's sometimes it's laughing at nerdy people and that kind of bothers me although every once in a while there's a really funny thing on it anyway comedy i'm not a big fan of comedy you watch comedy uh, I do like, uh, so you like, we'll watch sitcoms and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. See, I, there's not one sitcom in my repertoire of shows that I watch. Uh, let's see. Ah, Favorite. psych. That's the only one that I could psych? say that that's yeah. technically a, a funny show. So I'll, I'll give you psych. Technically it's a funny show. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I, th <laughs> I'm glad it at least is funny on a technical. No, level. you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yes. Except okay. the musical episode was not funny in the least. No, no. That was kind of, uh, um, let's always sunny in Philadelphia. Very uh, funny. Show. I find it very funny when I watch it, but I never choose to watch it. Um, and that's the case Arch with the Simpsons. That's the case with family. Not a Guy. Simpsons fam. Archer. Very funny. Yeah. Arrested Squid, development. Squidbillies. Yeah, I don't know. I just maybe I'm just not. Maybe I don't like to laugh. That is entirely possible. There's something wrong with me, Jeffrey. You're you're a serious guy making serious art. I don't in know a that serious it's that. I just it's like, <laughs> it, you know what it is. In much the same way that I don't like watching. Like I, I watched the first couple seasons of Breaking Bad, and I'm like, I don't. This is really well done, but I don't. I don't enjoy the time that I'm watching it. You know. Uh, yeah, like I, I can appreciate it, but I just, I don't like watching it. I kept, I kept trying to get into it and I don't think I ever got past season three. Same yeah. with Dexter. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's just like, I don't need all that violence in my life. So in the some, same way, I don't need all that silly laughter. Yeah. I don't need to be happy. <laughs> Screw that. What kind of a crazy world are you living yeah. in? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what are you going to do? Uh, we should probably talk about I'll, our, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to say, uh, you need a new website. We, we, we've got the solution for you. You know, I have a new website because of Squarespace. Uh, no, you, you have a new website because you got 
tired of cobbling 4,200 jQuery scripts together to get an image gallery. <laughs> uh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I, do, I, did, I did move my uh, website over to Squarespace. So and, if you go to BillWadman.com, you're right happy, now, see right? Uh, I am generally happy, yes. I have a few little things that I'm working on, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you're using what are you using? You're using Wexley. I'm right? using Wexley, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and uh, and for all those people out there who use Wexley, th- th- there's the few things that are bothering me about it that I'm actually I'm I'm working for you behind the scenes to to make it to fix them. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. Um, but but Squarespace, man, their system is really impressive. Like the more I use it, the more impressed I get. Like the other day I was adding, we'll get to the fancy read, but the, the other day I was adding a, a little uh, contact form in there, right? Yep. And I dropped the contact form in and it says, what do you want me to do with this information? Do you want to me to email it to you? Do you want me to add it to a Google Doc spreadsheet? Do you want me to send it to MailChimp? Yeah. And I was like, what? You can send yeah. it straight to MailChimp? Do you yeah. know how, you how to... hard it would be to do that by hand? Any of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's all just built in. Boom. You know, uh, fantastic, fantastic stuff. The integration that's in there is amazing. Uh, so as you can tell, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. It's the only one platform that makes it easy to create your own website for a free trial and 10% off. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code fancy pants bill. Dun, dun, dun. And, uh, and yeah, you'll get 10% off. Uh, it, you know, Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with, tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Uh, Squarespace takes care of the hosting, the SEO, even make sure that your site automatically looks great on any device. Uh, it's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, over 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer care team based in New York, uh, and, and they truly care about design, and it really shows. Their whole site, they're always updating it with brand new features. It's won numerous design awards. It's good, beautiful stuff. Uh, can I can I tell you how much I dig the new changes to layout engine? The, layout, the, little, the new layout the engine pop-up thing is great. Yeah, it really yeah. is great. Um, the uh, I was working on a Squarespace site for uh, Conrad's new uh, new show that they're launching today. I guess technically uh, this super fantastic nerd hour dot com. And right. I was I was playing with some stuff in there and just dropping stuff in and like moving it around. This is it's you know what it is it's the way it should be. You know what I mean. Like, remember back in the day when you'd be coding HTML stuff and they'd be like, oh, it's a visual editor. And you'd go in there and you're supposed to be able to drag and drop stuff around, but it never worked. Uh, I do remember it that. It actually works. It does. Uh, and they've got new iOS branded uh, iOS apps for Squarespace customers. They've got Squarespace blog, which lets you draft posts, schedule, and even review posts. Uh, you can That's monitor nice. and manage comments on your blog all within this one little app. Yeah, it actually is pretty nice. Uh uh, Squarespace blog is fully integrated with Layout Engine, allowing you to easily format text or markdown, tap and drag images within your posts, and uh, mo- modify detailed posts on the go. And they also have Squarespace metrics, which lets you monitor your website's analytics like KPIs, page views, unique visitors, projections, and charts for your websites are at your fingertips, uh, as well as iOS 7 updates for Note and Portfolio. Have you tried Note, their little yes. note-taking app? Yes. Uh, and portfolio, which uh, I've actually is pretty cool. So what it does is it it downloads your images to your iOS device for use offline. So whatever your portfolio is on your website, 
it'll automatically sync it over to your phone and you can have that offline. So even when you're not on data, you could still just quickly zoom around uh, your portfolio. Yep. So um, if you go, if you go to a client meeting or, or something like that and they, they don't have a yeah. Wi-Fi network that you can connect to, then it's you're already still, on there. Yeah. You're still in sync. Or you're at a party and somebody's like, Oh, what kind of pictures do you take? You can go like this. And you're like, Bill, you pull out your iPad and go, well, I'm a big fancy portrait photographer. If, Let if, me show you some of my work. If, 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 if I had an iPad. Uh, <laughs> don't forget about audio collections for musicians and their amazing new 3D visualizer for shipping. So it'll tell you what size box you need for whatever yeah, it is you're trying to ship. Yeah, that's alchemy right there. That's pretty cool. It is. Uh, and as we said earlier, you could try Squarespace for free. You don't need a credit card. No credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, uh, starts at just $8 a month, includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. And make sure to get 10% off and support the show by using the offer code FANCYPANTSBILL for the month of January. And thank you so much for Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and on taking pictures. You know, you, you, you said no credit card required, and I instantly went to no jacket required. Little Phil Collins. Studio. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> Is that what you want? All right, we got to get on with the show now. That was good. Yeah, says the guy who's beatboxing Phil Collins. It's Lee Scalar. Lee Scalar on the bass with the big giant beard. Actually, the 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 top beard. Yeah, the thing is on that on that song, the the bass is most definitely synth and not him actually playing, but he's in the video anyway. But he looks good. Because you got to get Lee Scalar in the video. That's right. Uh, what do you think about this question that uh, Alan asked? Uh, I think Alan was probably out of breath after he asked it. <laughs> Here, get, get, read, read me a little bit of it. What do you got? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, okay, so Al- Alan writes, uh, possibly interesting topic for the show, the difference between doing things and thinking you can do things because you've read about them. Uh, for example, I find myself looking at pictures or styles of pictures, i.e. the architecture shot at twilight with the lights on, mm-hmm. uh, MMA style harsh lighting from the sides, etc., and thinking, oh, sure, I can do that. I know how it's done. Uh, and sometimes going as far as thinking I've actually done that sort of shot already, then I actually go do it and I find out, go figure, that it's a heck of a lot harder in the actual doing. Uh, I find that even sometimes if I don't do a shot or try a technique because I've read so many books, blogs, videos, etc., that I can easily do it so. With the proliferation of ebooks, courses, videos, downloads, blog posts, etc., I can't be the only one spending more time reading about it than doing it. Maybe that'd be something interesting to discuss. Maybe it just comes down to, well, just get off the laptop and get things done. I'm going to paraphrase that last part. You know, um, I think ahead. that there's an argument to be made that, uh, th- th- that th- there's a lot of people who are learning this stuff and get so wrapped up in learning it that they're actually not using the techniques that they're learning. Yes. Um, so I think there's an argument to be made there. I think there is too. Uh, I, I think, actually, I don't think. I know people learn different ways. Yep. Some people are visual learners. Some people are auditory learners. Some people can only learn by doing. Some people learn by reading. Some, and, and what an amazing time to be a photographer in that there are resources for all of you. Uh-huh. There are videos. There are podcasts. 
hint, hint. There are written articles. There are eBooks. So however you need to learn photography or anything, really, there are resources out there for you. Where I think the, the breakdown happens or, or one of the areas that of, of breakdown is the people, to your point, that learn, 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 and then it's time to go to bed. Right. Or it's time to go to work. And I, okay, now I don't have time to go shoot because I've been watching 400 videos on lynda.com or whatever it is. Um, 400 videos. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe there's a, a way to balance that where you, you read something or watch something or listen to something and then go try it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's, there is no, there's no way around actually doing it yourself eventually. You know, mm-hmm. you could watch somebody do something for forever, but actually getting your hands on it and doing it. You know, sometimes I think about um, like we were watching uh, Conrad and I were watching a this video about them making toe shoes, uh, you know, ballet shoes, point shoes. Sure. And the guys who were doing it had these like super fast sort of vertically uh, built uh, sewing machines, these mm-hmm. like, you know, custom built sewing machine things that they just, you know, they pull this thing up and they put it on, they go, and they go all the way around the shoe in like a second and a half. Right. Um, because they've been doing it forever. Right. But you got to think that somebody new coming in eventually, they could watch that guy do it a hundred thousand times. Yes. But until they put a shoe in their hand, stick it on that thing and press the floor button, you know, the, 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 the foot switch or whatever yes. it is that, yes, they're going to have no idea how that feels. That is you true. Know. At some point, your hands have to be in motion. Yeah, your yeah, your hands have to be on the bat. They have to be on the camera. Yep. Yep. They have to be moving the lights around. Even going to a workshop and shooting with lights that some other guy set up is very different than taking the lights out of a box and setting them up and doing the same thing. Even if you know the exact settings he used to do it. Correct. Um, yeah, I am a huge fan of trying to replicate other people's work you know mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. when you're when you're trying to find your own voice um just you know i really like the way that crutzen picture looks i really like the way that you know that pic- pic- picture bill took looks and you know trying to recreate something i've made or somebody somebody actual fancy has ever made um is a great way to learn because not only do you, will you probably, even if you fail, quote unquote, to replicate whatever it is that you were trying to do, you're going to learn something in the process of doing it. Right. And, and whether, whether it's what you intended to learn on that particular occasion or not. Yeah. 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 And you know what? Maybe you can't replicate what I've done because it's just the way that I see things, but you see things differently and you're going to do something different than what I did, but equally as good or better, you know? Sure. Um, sure. And, and even in the times when you fail, I think that you, you get another tool to put in your toolbox and all of this kind of stuff is really just about building up that toolbox. And eventually you'll whittle it down because you realize that you don't use the, you know, five different sides of alls, you know, or right. whatever. Maybe you just need the one. Okay. Right. Well then, you know, you start culling inside your own mind and you start working with the tools that really make you feel comfortable. And that's when you start having a voice. And that's when people start looking at your pictures and saying, Oh, those look like Joe Schmo's pictures, not just, you know, but it is in the doing. 
It is absolutely in, it's totally in the doing. It's totally in the doing. Yeah. You, have, you have to at some point put the book down. Uh, several jobs that I have had, I didn't know what I claimed to know going into them. But I read and watched and then went out and did until I could do in a professional environment. You, you know, but I, I will tell you, reading about millinery and actually making headgear or hats or whatever for a production, two completely different things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or reading about, about uh, using draw knives and spoke shaves. Yes, you get the theory, but until you actually put one to a piece of wood yep. and, and, and feel how they react, mm, not going to work for you. Well, yeah, but you know, isn't that kind of what you and I on this show talk about is the feel of that, that blade on the wood. That's what we're here for as much as we are here for whatever comes out of that. Sure. It's the experience of making it right. Absolutely. And I think that in a situation like say, if Alan's being honest about this from a personal point of view, you know, if, if he thinks that he's going to go do the harsh side lightings and all that stuff, if he's never done it before and he thinks he's going to go out and the first time he doesn't sets with the lights and hits the shutter button, that it's going to look perfect. He's out of his mind. You know, yeah, maybe as, he'll get as lucky. Is anyone who would, who would go into it. That right. Way. That's sure. what I'm saying is that like you don't expect that anything you start, you're going to be good at. And I am a huge, I am guilty of this to the, uh, to the nth. You know, I am the worst when it comes to this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to be good the first time I do it. And if I'm not, I feel like crap. So I'm, I'm with you, whoever is thinking right now, listening yeah. to the show. But well, I mean, there, there is, there is a joy and I'm going to use joy because there is a joy, uh, in, in arriving. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm working through some, some print tests. We've talked about this a little bit and I'm, I'm, just over the weekend started getting the results that I want. Yeah. And it didn't take, you know, months and months and months of work because there were people that had gone before me that had figured out they'd done a lot of the heavy lifting. Right. Uh, but the minute you put that first paper through and it didn't come out right, were you disappointed or were you just like, all right, well, this is, this is a starting point. This is step one out of 27. Um, a little of both. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, you want it to work, right? Yeah. You 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 press the shutter button. You want to get that 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 lovely rim light and that yeah. that that subtle fill and and the expression to be just so and sure. the, you want all that. Oh yeah, look, I you know, th there's plenty of people who look at me and say, "Oh, Bill's good at using light and whatever it is on portraits." I really? will tell you, there's plenty? plenty of people. You think? I said there's some people. <laughs> No, there's people – I get a lot of – look, I get a lot of email from people who wonder how I do what I do. I'm and I will tell you that there you. are times that I go into a shoot and I set up lights and I'm internally uh, um, uh, confident that it's like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, we'll just do this. And then I set it up and I hit the button and it doesn't look anything like what I want it to look like for any okay. number of reasons. And and that's that's – so my point is that you're always learning. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a yeah, yeah. But isn't that the fun of it? I mean, for some people, it's not. Some people, uh, yes, they 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 want to set things up, whatever they may be, and and do it. F for you and I, it sounds like there is great pleasure in 
the iterative process of learning. There is the 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 problem is is if you if you're working professionally and you go into a shoot and you want to do X and you try X and X fails mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you have three minutes and forty five seconds, three minutes and forty seconds, right? Three minutes and thirty five seconds, right, right? You know that that is. Do you do you always? I mean, in those situations, do you manifest literally like a? Are you conscious? Am I thinking about it? Second by seconds. I mean, look, because you've you've done portraits where you've literally had three or four minutes with somebody. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there there are the times when I'm supposed to have forty five minutes, and five minutes in, somebody's like, "Yeah, are you done yet?" Or a few shots in, "Are you done yet?" Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it happens. My 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 thing with subjects is generally. Not as much that time is ticking away, but that I'm losing their attention. Ah, that's okay. that's my big thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's my that they have sort of mentally or, yeah. or I'm not losing time, I'm losing them. The yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 I know. And once you get to a certain point, you're not going to get them back, right? There's there's a there's a point of diminishing returns where you could take another 200 photos, but there's not going to be anything good in there because they're gone already. Yeah, Elvis mm-hmm. left the building, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Which is one of the reasons why I use a simple lighting kit and and smaller lights and that kind of stuff because I don't want to get bogged down by a lot of gear because I don't have time. You know what I'm saying? Ultimately, my attention should be on the person. Sure. And everything else is secondary. Everything else. If the lights aren't perfect, that's fine because I want to get the person. Do you think that you approach a shoot differently if you've got an assistant with you? Um, do you, do you take time to try different things or, or it, it, do you still approach it the same way? Uh, I still approach it the same way. If mm-hmm, an assistant's mm-hmm. there, it doesn't really make that much of a difference to me. Uh, uh, and, and I guess the reason I'm asking is like, would, would you use the assistant as kind of a stand in and go, well, you know what? Let's mix this up a little. Let me try this as uh, a stand in for your subject to try different lighting setups or something. Yeah. But usually you're doing that before the subject gets there, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll do that. Um, but I mean, most of the stuff that I want to do, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of really complex lighting setup. So I know generally what I'm going, I, you know, I can get a good picture in most situations, you know? Um, so it's, I'm generally not trying anything really funky, but yeah, I'll have people stand in or, or a makeup artist or the person who let me in the building or, you know what I mean? Like the PR person who's there. Um, yeah, it happens. And then sometimes you don't get to do that at all. You know, you're, you just got to jump into it. Um, but I, you know, I guess the thing is though, that, that the doing it, having, having a time limit and, and, uh, having your feet on the ground as it were, you know what I mean? Like your mm-hmm, feet in the mm-hmm. dirt on the field, that is a very different feeling than sitting around commentating on the NFL, you know? Sure, and, and it's part of the reason why uh, d- d- both commentary on sports, and I'm not a sports fan, but when when people are sports fans and they sit around talking about how you know the I guess the Patriots lost or something the other day, and they'll they'll sit around talking about it. It's just like, look, you guys are just sitting here talking about it. It's the same way I feel about music reviewers and art reviewers in general. It's just kind of like you know what, it's real easy to talk from the cheap seats. You know, like get down on the field, start making stuff, and then then we'll talk. I don't know. There's something about that. Like I I I want people to have skin in the game if they're going to be having a conversation about it. Um, Do you value 
commentary on your work differently? If it's from somebody who's who makes stuff and somebody who doesn't? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. You think that's wrong? I, I don't think that it's right or wrong. I, I, I just find it interesting. I feel like I have more in common with somebody who does, you know? Like, I, like I mean, we're I, speaking I, the same I, language in a way. It's, it's a strange... It's a strange culture because the the, the tastemakers yep. are, by and large, people who've never actually done it. Yeah, although it's funny enough, like I, I got a call the other day. I, I was sending out stuff just trying to get some stuff going, right? To, to new people that I had Like promotional before. mailer yeah. type things? Yeah. yeah. Right. And I hadn't gotten anything back from any of the people I sent stuff to, which is always just like a frustrating thing. But that's the way of the world, right? It's, it's a numbers game. Sure. But like while I was doing that, actively trying to put out there, trying to get some attention, I get, a, I get an email from, I think it was Inc. Magazine. Is that, that's one of those like big business magazines, right? Inc.? I, I, think, INC. I think you're confusing. Oh, INC. Yeah. You know what I'm was, talking about? Okay. Yeah. I was going to, INK, I think that might be a tattoo. Yeah. Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And they were asking me about a picture that I took in 2009. Okay. They were like, we're, 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 we're on this deadline. We have the, we need a picture of this guy. And this, you know, this happens. You get a call from some magazine because they, they saw some other mag picture in some magazine. They wanted, you know, and they were asking me about this picture and, and, and I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah sure. And I send them the picture or whatever. And I was like, oh, Hey, you know, I've never worked for you guys, you know, keep me in mind, whatever it is. Like, oh, of course, I'll send your stuff around, blah, 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 right? So then I go look up the woman who I was emailing with. You know, I just Google her. And she herself is a photographer. And I know a lot of art buyers for magazines and things that are themselves photographers, but they're not doing the work for the magazine that they're hiring people. And I wonder if there's a little bit of a... Not a not an envy like not envy, but just sort of a. I wonder what's going on in their mind. Are they do they not want to be shooting that stuff, or is it that they haven't been able to make that work? So therefore, they're in the position where they're hiring the people. You know what I mean? Uh, that sounds very conniving and sinister to me. I don't. I don't. I don't. No, I, I don't that. mean that they're doing it. I don't mean that they're 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 sitting there like like wringing their hands or anything like that. I'm just saying. Okay. I wonder what's going on in their minds if if they. Yeah, or, or if they're just like, well, you know, I wish I could be one of the guys who gets hired. I don't know, you know, or if they're just like, you know, what, I don't want to get hired because I don't want to deal with the stress of that I just want to make my photographs for me and, you know, do this for the thing. I guess my point is that sometimes the people who do hire you are themselves photographers or artists themselves, you know, mm -hmm, it does mm -hmm. happen, but, but it's, it's rare that's the thing is that anybody who's working as a photographer is not going to also be working as the person who makes the decisions because they're too busy working as a photographer, you know? Right. I, I guess my, my point about the, the, the tastemaker thing was more like the people that are deciding what art is important are by and large, not artists themselves. The people oh, that are deciding what yes. films are important, Abs yes. what, what music is yeah. good or bad. Yeah. They're not, they're not, in the game doing it. No. And you could argue that they are them. They are hmm, that tastemakers or reviewers themselves. Maybe they do know something that we as artists don't know, mm -hmm. but as an artist, I feel like uh, it feels vampiric 
you know? Well, it, then again, you're, you're making product. Me. You. Okay. I'm making product and what? And everyone's a consumer. So shouldn't everyone have a say, an equal say, in whether or not your product is any good? Yeah, in, in a in a in a in a capitalist system, but I don't think that product. I don't think that art is whether art is good or not. It's not subject to a popularity contest. You know, there's lots of stuff that people don't like, but is incredibly good art, and there's lots of stuff that everyone loves that's terrible art. You know, mm-hmm, think of mm-hmm. how much pop music makes millions and millions of dollars, but is going to be completely forgotten in six months. You know. I mean, so, and then there's other stuff that comes out that is very important musically that is, it was never really a big album, but like had a lot of effect on people, you know? So I, I, you know, the minute you start saying, well, society or other people should decide whether art is good or bad. It's like, well, who decides? I mean, doing it on a straight numbers game of voting that that's just a popularity contest. And does that really tell us what's good? You know, the world has really terrible taste. You know what I mean? So then how how do how do we ascribe these values? I don't know. I really don't know. I think about it all the time. You know, cuz if somebody says they really hate my work or they really love my work, I, I have no basis for whether or not to take that as a compliment or not. Mm-hmm. You know, or or if somebody, you know, if somebody I really love and trust doesn't like some picture of mine, it's like or doesn't like a certain set of work that I've done, but then I show it to somebody I trust just as well. And they say that it's the best stuff I've ever done. Ultimately, the only person you can trust is yourself. That's the only, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Like anybody other than yourself, you're kidding yourself. So it really, it, 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 it sounds like what you're saying. And, and I think we've touched on this several times is you, you make the work you want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, like our, our photographer of the week later in this episode, I would never make art the way he makes it. It just, I look at it and I, while I enjoy his, I look at it and I go, I would never even think like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I'm sure that he's making it just cause that's the way he sees the world, you know? Um, and that's cool. You know, doesn't make it better or worse or just different, you know? You like to so, use- so so do we do we do, just just to wrap this up so yeah. so do we have a, a an answer to Helen's an question? answer to Alan? Uh, I think Alan should do exactly what you said, which is you know what you learn a new technique, go do it, and don't move on to a new technique until you've maybe chunk away at it a little bit. Yeah, play with don't, it. Don't read the entire book or watch the entire seventeen hours of video. Yeah, yeah. Try some of these things, you know. Um, because ultimately, if you're not trying them, then what are you doing? You know, yeah. if, if you're just sitting around reading all these technique things, watching these things, going to workshops, but actually not making any work for yourself, then you're just fetishizing it. You're not actually doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's fine, but that's a different thing. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I got a, a new ebook, a new Andrew Gibson ebook on portraiture over the okay. weekend. And I, I flipped, you know, I, I read through it. But then I flipped through paid, uh, sections that were interesting to me and I went out and just did some tests, you know, like using reflectors. I've never I, I've got reflectors, but I don't think I've ever really intentionally gone out and played with them or, or, or tried to get different effects with them. And it was fun. And yep. I kind of there were a couple aha moments where I went, oh, 
okay, that's what that does. Yep. You know, and, and seeing the results, uh, not just on the back of the camera, but, but after importing, you can, you can go, oh, okay, I can see where that, that warmed up that fill light because I used the gold side instead right, of the right. silver side. Or yep. I can see how the white doesn't give me that sparkly light, but it does fill in the shadows. Okay. And this okay. is all stuff that you knew, quote unquote. It, exactly. But I hadn't done it. Yeah. Yeah. So now I can, not, not only have I got an idea of some of these differences, but I'm more apt to try and implement these techniques in the future because yeah, no, they're, they're sure. not just theoretical. They've become, they've become something that I, that I can actually see the value in because I've taken the time to try them. Yeah, I got you. So I think that that's anyway. and that. No, but that's exactly, that's exactly the point we're trying to make. Um, so yes, Alan, go try some of this stuff and then try come stuff. back to us. Um, what do you, what, what's, what's this David Dushman post? David, I, I, well, it's, it's kind of a nice dovetail because, because Alan, Alan has made a portrait. Actually, he's made several portraits of David. Ah, uh, um, yes. Okay. Uh, David, David is talking about gear and I, and I, I, I love David Dushman's writing. Uh, I think he is a, a fascinating person to talk to. Um, and, and I really like him. Uh, as a person. Uh, and, and somebody wrote to him on his Facebook a, a page about something that's, that's not unique to photographers, but it is a part of a lot of photographers' lives. And that is the, the acquisition of, of stuff, of gear. Yeah. Um, and he, he's just got some interesting ideas on, uh, what this all means. And, and one of the pull quotes that, he, that he's got in the article is, is, isn't it possible we've passed the point of diminishing returns and our hunger for gear is outpacing our hunger for beauty, compelling stories, great light, and amazing moments? Uh, I think that's, well, I think, that, I think that gear is easy. Making stuff is hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of people get stuck on the gear because it just, it just, you know, you know how I get become better. I just have a credit card and I think, right. that, and so for a lot of people, but I, you know, I love this. There's another quote, see the quote I got out of this. And I know that was the pull quote they had there. Mm-hmm. The, the quote that made me think is if a photographer tell, if a photographer you respect has fancy gear and tells you he spent thousands on that gear and it only makes his life easier, not his photographs more compelling than he's exactly who you should listen to. Right. You know? And I totally agree with that. Like, you know, yeah, I use a 5D Mark III, which is a much more expensive camera than a lot of people who listen to this probably use. But you know what? I use it because I know it's not going to break and because I can drop it. And you know what I mean? There's reasons why I use it, but it's not because it'll take better pictures, quote unquote. Right. That I could take my pictures with a with a digital rebel if I had to, you know. Right. Um yeah, it, it, it there's just some interesting stuff in here and 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 David has such an eloquent way of of simplifying the complex. I think it's interesting though he's 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 cruising around with a Fuji XE1 and a Leica M. Mhm. Um trying new stuff. Yeah, but I you know so, but okay, but so how is that? What is the difference between him? He's he's trying new cameras all the time, but also in here he's saying, "What if we just use the same camera for twenty years?" But he's not trying new things all the time. 
And okay, he's and, currently he's talking about how he's trying new things right now, though. Right now, okay. yeah. Um, they're coming to get me. By the way, can you hear the? I do hear that. It's yeah. the snow police. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, he writes here. What will make my images better is more time with my cameras in my hand. Yep, using my tools until they just fit and do what I want without a thought the way my Leica already does because it's so similar to cameras I used years ago that I feel like I've just put on an old pair of jeans. Yes. And that's worth more to me than the ability to make a 48 megapixel photograph at ISO 16,000. Yep. What will make better photographs is studying photographs themselves, not the ads for gear in the latest photography magazine. Photographs are made better by curious, patient, passionate people with vision and imagination, not sharper glass. To paraphrase Ansel Adams, the idea, if the idea is crap, then it doesn't matter how big or how sharp it is. Nobody cares how much damn chromatic aberration there is in your photograph. We care if there's no heart. (laughs) So now I I don't know what David thinks of the XE1. This is the first trip that he's taken with a mirrorless system. Yep. So I don't know what his thoughts are on it. I would imagine that it will be something very similar to this paragraph, that it doesn't matter. Well, look, ultimately, no matter what camera you use, I take similar pictures no matter what camera I'm using. It doesn't change my world all that much. He says here, uh, if, you, if so buy a Fuji if it makes your life easier as it has for me. Buy an old film camera or phase one if you got the cash for that. But if you expect it to change your photographs more than the longer path of becoming a better photographer, save your money. Which yeah, is true. But I, true. I think that's very much in line with what we've been saying for 90 episodes. Yes. You know, uh, there, you know I the next... The next little thing in the show, well, actually two down in the show notes, but I'm going to jump it up here just because it's yep, applicable. I, I finished that book about Polaroid, uh, Instant, the story of Polaroid. And yes. It was, it was fun. You should definitely get a copy. You're going to like it. But one of, the, one of the really good quotes in it, it says, marketing is what you do if your product is no good. <laughs> I just like that. Nice. The bottom line is in heaven. That's like, like two of the big Edwin land quotes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, it's, it's really interesting to read uh, a guy talking about when you read some of the, the, the stuff in this book, it really does feel like uh, you're reading something. If you swapped out anytime he mentions SX 70 with iPod, it might as well be an Apple ad, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, for example, here we go. Well, Steve was a big fan. Well, of, that's the of thing, Edward right? Uh, we would not have known and only just have learned, perhaps mostly from children from two to five, that a new kind of relationship between people and groups is brought into being by the SX-70. When the members of the group are photographing and being photographed and sharing the photographs, it turns out that buried within us, God knows beneath how many pregenital or Freudian or Calvinistic strata, there is a latent interest in each other. There is a tenderness, curiosity, excitement, affection, compassionability, and humor. It's like, it's like, just, yeah. it's, now, it's if just, you could just, if you could just read that again as Johnny Ive, I know that, right? that would, that would be the video, right? but it's just funny that people are just like, see, Apple does it so differently. So Apple does this the way Edwin Land did it's 50 yeah. years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, Edwin Land was at the right place at the right time. And yes, the, you know, the instant film thing was, it was a big deal, but you know, they came up with an instant uh, movie film product called Polavision. Mm-hmm. In the late seventies, like after Betamax already came out, hmm. and it was a complete flop. So it's unlike not, Betamax. 
Wait, what? Well, I'm just saying, well, Betamax <laughs> begat VHS, right? Which, yeah. you know, changed the world. So I'm just saying that the, the idea that all it takes is a genius guy. It also takes them being at the right place at the right time. You know? Yes. Um, yes. I mean, look, the, the, the iPhone came out exactly at the, exact the right time. time. The iPod came yep. out at the exact time. The iPad, every, all yep. of these things. Yeah. So, so to, to, to those people who, who are insisting that Apple's got no, no creative juice left. Yeah, they do. It's timing and they are masters at deciding when to release a product. Okay, but interestingly enough, what I was going to say to that is that inevitably Apple will go away. Just the way Polaroid did, just the way IBM did, just the well, way Microsoft. Okay, but that, yeah, that, on a long that, enough timeline. Yeah, I, yes. you know that, that they they are not infallible and they will not be around forever and they are not perfect. And uh, in in the same way, everyone thought that Polaroid is going to go on forever and ever and ever and they'd never fail. And of course, ultimately they did, um, just because the world changed around them, and that generally is what happens, right? That the but world would changes. They, would they still be here if they adapted? Would Kodak still be here? You know, you know, it's it's a good question because interestingly enough, in the book, you know, Kodak used to make the negatives for uh, Kodak made the negatives for Polaroid for years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they figured out, wait a minute, this Polaroid thing is really getting somewhere. Like we should start charging them more. Oh, we'll keep making your negatives as long as we can also make instant photos. And you know, there became this like little battle in there. Um, Ultimately, I don't know that it would have made any difference. You know, uh, I think that, you know, Polaroid tried to expand into things and, you know, they started making digital cameras with the Polaroid name on them or rebranding Olympus stuff. And, and ultimately, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't a day later dollar short. I mean, Fuji yeah. did the same thing, but they did it sooner. They did it more vigorously yeah. and true. You know, they yeah. seem to be doing okay. Yeah. I no. don't know if they're turning much of a profit, but they're, they're, they're well, holding their and, own and, the net for the moment. But, but I, I think that, I think that Fuji in general is a much more, um, adaptive company yeah. by design, you know, uh, New Jersey service center, notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, well, they, you know what it is, and this is not a, a racist remark. They have that Japanese ethos, right? That Japanese large company ethos where they're, they're trying a bunch of things all at once. Right. You know, right. Um, so there's lots of things going on where right. a company They're also looking 25 years down the road, yeah. not, not fourth quarter. Yeah. And you know what? Polaroid didn't, they didn't see that, that, I mean, he's right in this thing. He talks about how the great thing about Polaroid is that you end up with a print, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that you can hand that print to somebody and they just never imagined that we'd have a little thing in our pocket that was as high res as that print that could show it on the screen or that the ability to send that to somebody across the world or across the country or onto the internet would trump having the physical right. print in your hand. You know, so it's like, it's and looking back on that. You, you go, well, how could you not have seen that coming? Right. Well, that's always the case though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, how, how many sci-fi writers never saw the cell phone coming with all their technology? Well, you know, it, it's funny. We, uh, I was talking about that, that her movie last week a little bit, but, uh, yep. but you know, they were talking about it on on Conrad's new show, and I'm not trying to plug that. But they were they were they were trying to they were talking about whether Hal 9000 or or the girl and her was more human. You know, right? And it's funny. And I said, you know, what's weird about it is that now in that movie, it's all about how this consciousness gets too smart for humans, sort of like laps us. You know what I mean? 
Right. And uh, just kind of bugs out. Says, right. You know, we're, right. we're done with you. Exactly. But 50 years ago, when 2001 was made or 40 years ago, the idea that a computer could be smarter than a human, it was it was a huge leap to imagine something that could even approach the intelligence of a human in humanity. Right. The right. idea that it would, it would outpace us wasn't even in their mind. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. How is that possible? It's transistors or tubes. It's not going to be smarter than a human. At right. best, it could be scared of being turned off. You know what I mean? And so, it, 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 but it seems like a really obvious thing to us now. It's just, it's just the zeitgeist, you know, the way the world looks at the world. Um, but the, the, the Polaroid thing is fascinating. I mean, mm. you really should read the book. It's, it's pretty cool. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> there, did you know that there is a, uh, a, a guy up in Massachusetts who's trying to make a new version of Polaroid 55? Really? It's called the new new55project.blogspot.com. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Huh. And he has manually created some by taking a sheet of negative, you know, of, of positive paper, uh, a, a triax negative, and then creating pods of chemicals by hand and creating sheets by hand. And now he's trying to get enough money to do it commercially. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it that is. somebody's actually trying to do that. Uh, it's just you know, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool hmm. stuff. Yeah, I'd love to keep keep uh, keep a tab on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, did you see these uh, Lena Dunham pictures? Did you click? I this did. Link? Uh, why? It's interesting. Uh, why are they interesting? I just think it's interesting to see pictures out of camera and then the final shot. Mm-hmm. I always think that's interesting, especially when it's. Uh, uh, for a big magazine, you know, because people think that these pictures look this way out of camera and they really don't. Um, so I just think that it's interesting for us. The fact that they look at, look how much shaping they did on her face and on her boobs and that kind of stuff. The, 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 the ideal that you think that you have of, of, of people in real life, just, it just doesn't exist the way it does. You know, I hope that this is not the final image. Uh, I think the, it's the final image. The neckline on that dress is horribly composited. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And the, especially on her left sleeve, the color is com- it's way too dark. Yeah, I think it was the final because uh, I think this was in vogue. That's that's bad. Yeah, it's. I funny, mean, they didn't it? they didn't do a ton to it. No, they, uh, I mean they pulled up her dress. Right. They reshaped her body a little bit. They definitely reshaped her face a bunch. Uh, like pulling her chin up. Making her much, she, she, you know, less of like a, like the whole double chin kind of thing, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah her jawline. Yeah, I see yeah. that. Yeah. And they pointed her nose a little, or her chin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Got a little pointier. Uh, it's just, it's it's funny. There's another one further down where it's a, a subway stop up on a, up on a, a subway platform. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. A little perspective correction, yep. color tweaks. Yeah, but they really changed. Look how much they like lit, added to her lighting. You know what I mean? They added a lot to her lighting and they distorted the horizon line. So it's almost, I mean, look at the angle that the, that the we'll put this in the show notes. Yeah, we're going to put it in the show notes. I don't know. I just think, it, I think these are the kind of things that are, uh, I think they're fun. Now, who, who is this person? Why, why do I care? Dunham, she- she's the one from... Uh, She's the one from, um, what's it called? Uh, girls. She's the creator of girls. 
What is that? Is I that like a TV like that. program? It's a TV show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I can't watch it. it. Drives me crazy. But I still think it's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's. So, what is she an actress? She what is she a producer? Yeah, she's an actress. She? She's the actress. She's the star of this show, Girls on. I think it's HBO. But I think she writes it too, or she's you know, whatever it is. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the show, but I I don't know. I just I love seeing the before and afters of quote unquote big shoots, right? Yep, yep. Because I think that it 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 you know it's like when you <laughs> if you ever see the originals of any of the very polished Andy Leibowitz pictures, they they look much more they look much closer to the pictures that come out of your camera than they than you think they would, right? You know, um. These people do a lot of work in post. Who shot this? Is this is this Annie? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Oh, it is. It is Annie. Is it? It is. Well, there you go. Wow, look at that. All right, what else? Uh, you got the Bernstein thing. What? What do you got? Bernstein. What did he ever do? <laughs> that is a good question. Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein. Who is uh, that guy? Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is with his with his stick and with his impeccably quaffed hair flopping around up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's an interesting article um, on why we create. Okay. In in Bernstein's opinion. And uh, th- there are just some, some interesting things, and I think it kind of dovetails what we were talking about at the top of the show. Uh, Bernstein says, money is a perfectly valid motivation for art, as much as we'd like not to think so. But since it's also the chief motivation for selling shoes or Buicks or chewing gum, it doesn't quite explain what motivates art in particular. Yep. The same might be said for other low-down motivating forces like success, fame, popularity, adulation, and the rest. They are all undeniably motivations for the artist, for all artists. But insofar as these ideals also motivate senators, Beatles, and fan dancers, one cannot say that they are uniquely motivations for art that useless, most unsenatorial endeavor right. called art. Yep. So then what is it? What is it? Um, he, he goes on to, to say communication and self-expression were voted the two real motivations for the artist. Every creator is one because he must create, I'm sorry, he must express himself and what's more, must share that expression with mankind. I love that. The sharing of the expression with mankind. That's, that's fascinating to me. Uh, these may be platitudes and they may also be true as far as they go. But whether or not true, they do not explain that devil with a pitchfork who goads an artist into doing dangerous, unpopular, unpredictable works. Yeah. So do, do you think art has to be dangerous, unpopular, or unpredictable? Or is, the more dangerous, unpopular, or unpredictable art is, the more important it ultimately becomes? No, I don't know that. I think that, I, well, I think that, I think that he's just talking about trying to push the envelope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he's talking about doing what we talk about sometimes, which is just putting a few more bricks in the edifice of human creation, you know? I'm mm-hmm. not, cre- I'm not going to create the whole wall, but like what I do in my lifetime will add a little bit to it. You know, there's right. that, there's that new monument men movie that's coming out. Right. Uh, which I've read books about that whole thing. The, the idea is that during world war two, they sent people in to basically protect art. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and one of the things that, that the voiceover says is, you know, 
people say, you know, what's, who cares about art? And it's just like, that's exactly what we're fighting for. Because right. if we're not right. fighting for that, then what are we fighting for? This this is the Matt Damon, George Clooney thing? Yeah, George Clooney okay. movie. Yeah. Can I tell you a quick story that I thought was sure. pretty funny? So Clooney is is famous for for pulling pranks on set uh, and, and has for years and years. So Matt Damon uh, has been, you know, working out for the role, I guess, uh, the, the, the demands a certain level of, of physicality or whatever. And and uh, but but he lives in New York. OK. OK. And they're shooting in the UK. So while they were filming, when whenever Matt Damon would come home to New York, Clooney would have his costumes taken in by an eighth of an inch. <laughs> so he's trying all of, you know, he's trying to trying to like watch what he eats, work out, you know, whatever. And, and every time he comes back to set, his clothes don't fit him. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> that's so that mean. Yeah, it's, so, it's great. Anyway, no, uh, but I so but I think that I I think ultimately that's what we're trying to do, right? Like we're just I'm just trying to add to the story, right? You know? right, um, right. Well, and and, and uh, Bernstein goes on to say there aren't too many mysteries left, you know. Yeah. One of these days, some super brain is going to come up with a brilliant revelation of original cause, DNA or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is going to explain heredity and XYZ will remove the last veil from the chemical wonder of sexual attraction. Yeah, we figured most and, of that out. Go ahead. And then what will we be left with? Man yep. and his mystery, the mindless, useless, glorious pursuit of artistic truth and all hopefully without a shred of motivation. Well, that but that gets us back to our discussion last week of whether or not eventually if machines can create art, then what's the point of us being around? Mm hmm. Um, uh, to clean up after them. I yeah, don't apparently. Yeah. You know, I, I look, I, I think the reason to make art is to have the experience of making art. I don't know that there needs to be anything more than that. Cause to some people, like I tend to say it's not art unless you share it with other people, unless other people see it. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but why create it in the first place? Well, that's true for me. But like maybe for other people, it's just they they like knowing that they've done something with their time here on Earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, uh, is it th- unconscious? You know, I, I watched an interview with Fiona Apple several years ago, and she she said something to the effect of, you know, cows make milk, I make music. It's just what I do. <laughs> That's cute. It's just that this is all I've ever known. Hmm. So is is art habitual? I think that there is a certain, I think that there is an innate, hmm, you know, the, yeah, is it, is it nurture, nature, nurture, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. do I do this because I was born to do this or do I do this because of the experiences I've had in life have made me want to express myself in this way? Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, the, uh, what the, the line in, uh, in high fidelity, great Nick Hornby book. Am I, am I miserable because I listen to pop music or do I listen to pop music because I'm miserable? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. what am I doing? Why am I, cre- I, I speaking for myself, I am much happier when my hands are in motion. I'm much happier when I'm, when I'm on the other side of my room, which is my, my art side, not yeah. my computer side. I'm much happier when I'm over there. Then why do you ever go over here? Uh, because over there is a struggle most of the time. Okay. Yeah. And, well, this, this it's, is a struggle it's funny. too. You, you, it's as much as you love it and enjoy it, it's also painful. 
it's it's not it's not painful, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle black, living in a warehouse. It's hard. It is. And, and, and a lot of that is self-imposed. A lot of that is is I impose a certain level of expectation. Now, I, I can say with with absolute certainty this year, I feel differently about it. I this year, I just in the last couple of months, I have let go of so much of the anxiety about making art or product or whatever it yeah. is that you want to call it. Question is, and, go ahead, finish. No, ask, ask your question. Go ahead. Does it make a difference why we do it? Why ask this question at all? Or why does the answer matter? Uh, I think, yeah, I do. I think it matters. I think it because it, it gets us to purpose and intent. Okay. I mean, if you say, well, because you know, I've got to do something today, so I might as well paint. That, yeah. that doesn't get you anywhere. Hmm. Okay. I mean, because you could just as easily say, well, I'm going to go make toast or I'm going to go. <laughs> hey, you, you make know, a lot of toast. I do make a lot of toast. I do love me some toast. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I've, I've let go a lot of the, of a lot of the uncertainty around it because somebody a couple weeks ago, and I don't remember who it was, asked uh, a question about, about gallery shows and, and what to expect, uh, putting your work in a gallery show. And when I first don't started much, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, right? <laughs> when I first started painting again, after not picking up a brush since college, uh, I was lucky enough to have people like my work and, and I was in, um, I don't know, four or five group shows. Um, and the first group show that I was in, uh, I was so excited. And so I, I knew that I was going to sell all three pieces that were in this show. And of course I didn't, mm-hmm. um, nor did I sell the two pieces that were in the next one or the four pieces that were in the following or the one piece that was, in, you know, you have to manage expectation and, and y- you know, you do it because you do it. You don't do it because somebody's going to buy it. Yeah. If somebody, if somebody likes it, that's great. But, you know, out of those shows, I sold one piece and that piece I was, I didn't, it wasn't a throwaway, but I did the piece kind of on a lark and that's what sold. Yeah. So that kind of threw me for a loop and I went, well, now I don't know what to think. <laughs> you know, well, that gets stu- us back to the beginning where it's just like, you know, what, what, what you think is going to happen isn't necessarily what's going to happen. And you know, right. that's part of the so fun. Make yourself happy. Yeah. The only person you can do it for is you. Everything else is a bunch of monk. Yeah. You know, it's, write, it's, write the book you want to read, make the movie you yeah. want to see, write, take the photograph that, that you want to hang on your wall. If, if you're in art to make a lot of money, go make money somewhere else and then come back and make your art. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, speaking of guys who make really crazy art, I think we should talk about our photographer of the week. Uh, I've never heard of this guy. Now you, you said this was, you're, you're uh, gonna, you're, here, look at this link. You're going to love this. You said this was a, a, a suggestion from Randy. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it wasn't a suggestion so much as, uh, Randy knows the guy and, uh, oh, okay. oh he knows him. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Yeah. I've met him before. He, he flirted with me a bit. Um, wow. Oh wow. Look at that. What? What? Yeah. Right. That's totally cool. So yeah, that's really neat. You got to put this link in the show notes. I will. The, today's photographer, this week's photographer of the week is Dwayne Michaels. 
who, if you haven't heard of him, Ooh. it's very difficult for me to explain without you looking. Is that fair? Yes. Silver gelatin print with hand applied text. You know, that's right. Yeah. So this guy, he, he, he takes pictures, almost mostly black and white stuff. Uh, he makes notations uh, on the prints around the edges a lot of times where he, he basically puts a title or a sentence that's supposed to speak to it. It's sort of a mixed media kind of uh, kind of thing that he does. Um, the one that Jeffrey was just kind of uh, being crazy about was there's a picture of a bathroom with a, a photograph on the wall. And then the next picture is a giant foot that's way too big for the bathroom because the bathroom's actually a miniature. And then they show the guy in the miniature bathroom standing there. And then the next shot is a picture of the guy standing in a miniature bathroom in a book with a guy's thumb on the picture. And then it zooms out further and it shows the guy who's looking at the book, who's looking at the picture of the guy in the bathroom. And he keeps going out and out and out until you realize that the picture on the wall in the bathroom is the last picture of him standing in this tunnel, looking at the book, looking at the picture, looking at the, you know, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. I I like these sequences. It's called things are queer. Oh, this is, I like this an awful lot. Yeah. So Dwayne is, I mean, this stuff is pretty, it was pretty hip in the seventies. It's still really, it's still hip and it's, it's, it's way more out there than most of the stuff that we talk about for photographer of the week. Um, I put some links in the show notes there, Jeffrey, if you want to take a look through, uh, if you, if you look up, um, Dwayne Michaels on, uh, Google image search, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a link so you can look while we're talking. Um, oh, yeah. The sequences are great. Yeah. And he plays with like uh, mirrors that have curves in them and that kind mm-hmm, of stuff and mm-hmm. shooting them. Uh, Almost they look like like uh, convex, like big telescope mirrors. Yeah. He plays a lot with with nudity. He plays a lot with homosexuality. He plays a lot with religion. Um so basically everything that you're not supposed to play with, he plays Yeah, with. like I think, you know, it, it's like all of the things that people talk about, like Maplethorpe and this stuff, I think Dwayne does a lot better. Yeah, you know what? I was just, I was, honest to God, was just going to say that. Like he, he he's tackling a lot of the same yeah. subject matter and taboos, but he's doing it better. And he doesn't, it opinion. doesn't feel like it's his, it's his, um, uh, it's not as much of an agenda as right, I felt right. like, you know, he's just, he's saying stuff and you may get something out of it, but it's not like he's trying to make a point all the time. Right. You know, it doesn't feel as sort of ham fisted no, as a lot no. of Maplethorpe stuff. You know, it's interesting because this guy is a, a real monster uh, of, of 20th century photography and, you know, doing some stuff that's really, really new. And when I saw him speak, it's funny, the group that I saw him speaking in front of, um, is has a lot of older people in the in the thing and some of them who were like (gasps) at the nudity and stuff like that right you know because some of it's a little bit gratuitous some of them you know not gratuitous but it's like look man penis and you know what i mean whatever it is yeah Uh, you know know what they shouldn't go see the wolf of wall street oh yeah yeah that would get them upset yeah yeah Um, Look, look at look at this photo i just sent you and look at the title yeah it's called heisenberg's magic mirror of uncertainty from 1998. Yep. So, uh, and then that Ryan Cranston, see the crazy, see the crazy, uh, uh, type where he writes underneath the images though. Yeah. And some of the stuff he writes, it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but it's fascinating. It is, you know, he's it just is. messing around. 
I want one of those convex mirrors. I, That's I mean, cool. you, look, you, you, I love I love the contact sheets. So you know that these image sequences really speak to me. I, I love seeing yeah. progression of, yeah. of these images. Well, I mean, that that is there is a good argument, right? We talked about contact sheets and we talk about how. Oh, show me which one you chose to pull out of that. Well, what if the contact sheet itself was a work of art? You know, kind of in the same, I mean, not in the same way, but like how I made that big giant print of all the pictures of my trip to to Japan, you know, with just all the pictures from the trip. Instead of just a few pictures, here all of them are in this big 30 by 45 inch print. You right. Know? Like sometimes a a series of images is in itself a larger piece of work. You know, wow, he he did the photos for the the synchronicity record. Uh, I think he did actually, didn't he? Wow. So he actually worked with Sting. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Wah, wah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dwayne Dwayne is 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 really hip. It's really out there. Uh, this is oh yeah. Thanks for selecting this. This is good stuff. He is a he is one of those guys that. You can really look at it and say, all right, he's original. You know, he was doing stuff mm. that people weren't really doing at the time. Something new. Um, and yeah, and, really and, interesting. And the you other, know, there's, there's, I see, I see a little bit of, of surrealism. I see a little bit of modern. Uh, yeah. It's just, wow. Yeah, there's, there's, really a, there's, there's a lot of it has, especially stuff with the mirror is very Dali. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got that kind of stuff or the multiple exposures or, or you know these these crazy image sequences that that involve stuff that's unreal or not real or going inside even that one with the bathroom it's just like it's it's both the picture and oh. going out of the picture it's the picture you know look at this photo of Clint Eastwood did he do one of Clint Eastwood yeah hey, 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 here, I'll look here. it up there you go there you go where you can kind of see him in the, uh, that's very cool yeah. that's a great photo huh that's when Clint Eastwood was really good looking and young. Yeah. Um, well done. Well done you for fix, for picking this. I thought something different. Yeah. So Dwayne Michaels great. is a photographer of the week. Go check it out. We're going to put some links in the show notes and uh, he's still alive. He's uh, lives here in New York uh, with his partner uh, of a long time, I think. And uh, um, yeah, he's, he's a handful. And, and, and you know why, why Randy knows him? Because of course, because Randy is awesome. like that. Yeah. Yeah. These are really good. Yeah, Randy's known him for years and years and years. Hmm. And uh, yeah, he was a really nice guy. I sat at a table with him at a luncheon. And uh, he's crazy, but he's out there. With, with Dwayne? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, anything else you want to say before we finish up? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. What would you like to say? I, I would like to, again, thank uh, all the listeners for participating in uh, the G Plus community and remind you that negative space is the next assignment. Um, the, the, uh, the, the, the sections have changed a little bit. So if you haven't been in a while, make sure you take a look down the left side because the, the section names have changed. And, and if you're curious about, you know, where to post things, there's some new text over on the right hand side that'll give you a little, a little, uh, insight. Um, where, where do, where do people, what if they want to send us an email or something? What do they do? I think they could uh, send an email to podcast that I'm taking pictures.com. Right. And that will get to both of us. And uh, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at Bill Wadman. You are at Jeffrey Sidoris, F-A, 
S A D D O R I S, and it's Jeffrey with E R Y instead of R E Y. It is. It is. We're gonna. You're gonna go to the grave cursing your parents for that one. I, uh, yes. Well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> telephone number three four seven six eight seven ninety four eleven. You leave uh, a message. Three four seven six eight seven ninety four eleven. Yep. And uh, yeah, keep posting photos, keep sharing, keep discussing. Um. Yeah. What else? Uh, I think that's it. Yep. Yeah. We'll see right. you next week. Uh, uh, hopefully I won't be snowed in tonight. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? You, you can't get out of your building. No, you you know, can you repel no, down the we, side? We, you know, <laughs> New York City, we never get snow. It's funny because when whenever snow like this happens, you go to the grocery store and there's people like in panics buying bottled water and pasta. Right. And you're like, okay, you do live, you live in New York City. You can walk. A, no, the snow is not going to be so bad. You can't walk a block to the grocery store. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like there's actual the world is ending right now, and you're going to be shut in your house. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Crazy people. Hey, All right, let, let them have their panic, Mister. Yeah, it's mostly the old people. Let them have it. Let them have it. You, you, you panicked like that? Uh, no. Like the other day, we had an earthquake. Did you really? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, well, it's small. It was like four, four point five, something yeah. like that. But it was the, the center was about ten miles away. It was. It shook enough to woke me up to to wake me up rather. And uh, you know, I woke up, looked around, waited it out, and went back to sleep. The, they don't bother me. Earthquakes. You know, there there was last thing. There was an earthquake here a couple of years ago. The one that like cracked the Washington Monument. And it's really rare on the East Coast to actually have earthquakes yes. like that. There's a big fault here, but it's so old and so idle that it doesn't actually happen that often. And I was sitting here and I thought some kids were on my roof because I felt like doom, 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 doom. And then I noticed that my – I have like a, a hanging chandelier in, in the kit, in the uh, dining room part. Mm, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was swinging like an oscillation. And I was like, that's really weird. And I remember – it almost feels like a dream now thinking about it. Like why would it do that? Yeah, like what? Like it never does that. Like what? It was just very, very odd. And then it turned out it was this really bad. Uh, well, for here it was very bad, very deep earthquake that actually mm. cracked the Washington Monument, so you couldn't go up it for a couple of years. Anyway, moving Wait, on. Uh, we'll see. Isn't there scaffolding around it now too? There is. I think they're finishing it up, taking it down. They're taking it down. The the scaffolding. Oh oh oh. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, oh, you can also leave a review on on iTunes if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But send us some email. We'd love to hear from you. Catch you later. All right. All right. Bye.